time again, right? Kick out the old welcome the new. Make your New Year's resolutions now. Go! Everybody and happy new year one and all we're back for another AFTN soccer show there's still time the first one of 2021 I'm Michael McCall I'm Stephen Pander and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer 2020 is in the history books I'm sure we're all gutted that the year has finished is that the phrase? Oh no, I'm sure we're all glad the year glad, is finished. That's yeah. yep, that's that's what I was going for there. Uh, to be honest, it wasn't much different for me. I don't go out much. I just got to do longer interviews, which obviously was right up my street. So apart from not really getting to many football matches, it wasn't a huge difference for me. I worked out though, like taking out aside things like VMSL and amateur games and stuff like that i only attended four professional football matches in 2020 but that was in three different countries two in scotland one in england and the white caps home opener so that that wasn't too bad i guess you guys were probably just at, at one professional game for no i don't year. think zach was there for the home opener was he yeah i just don't consider a professional so oh <laughs> no were you there for the opener uh, I think I was because it was the oh, first. You? I thought you. I thought that's the one you missed the first game. No, it was the first day in the in the unified GA. So I just went there to support the. Cubs. Oh, that's right. You were there. Yeah, what a success that was! They closed the stadium down after that. Never happened again. <laughs> the Whitecaps told you so. They said it wasn't going to work, and there we go. But I mean, it's 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 been a weird year. This is going to be our end of year stroke Happy New Year special. We're going to delve into the Whitecaps, MLS, Canadian Premier League, international football, just over the the next couple of parts. We're not going to do our usual kind of end of season review of month by month, because I don't want to really be going, April, sat at home, did nothing with a mask on. (laughs) Me, sat at home, did nothing with a mask on. That could continue a, a long way into this year as well we'll have to see how all that goes but before we get into all that did you guys have a nice christmas yeah it was pleasant obviously a little bit different a more virtual christmas than in-person christmas but other than that was fine 
yeah, it was, yeah, just like Steve said, it was nice, the four of us in our home hanging out. We Zoomed with Abbotsford. We Zoomed with Chilliwack. We Zoomed with Ontario. Um, so, yeah, no, it was nice. Ah. Did you listen to the AFTN Christmas special? I, I did. It took I, me a while. I listened, a to it, I listened to it as I fell asleep at night on Christmas. <laughs> every, every night? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's that's what our Christmas specials are all about. It's it's been quite bizarre, our Christmas special. Because if you didn't hear it, we had Mister Digestive David Barnett on from the New Royal Family talking about his "Anyone Fancy a Chocolate Digestive" song. We also featured a, a shortened version of the interview on my East Vice show. I say shortened; it was still thirty six minutes long. Bizarrely, although possibly because journalists are just wanting to talk about anything that isn't actually COVID just now. Two newspapers in Scotland did a a big feature on our Christmas specials and our whole chocolate digestive section. So the Courier daily newspaper for Fife, Dundee and North East Scotland, they did a piece on it. And then the Dundee Evening Telegraph did a piece on it as well. Their piece was particularly good because they said that this podcast... It said, Football Mad Michael does a podcast in Canada called The Vancouver White Space Caps. <laughs> so, obviously, they did their research for, for that, but yeah. it's it's obviously our digestive section has now taken over the world. And I just think this could be the year we finally get that sponsorship deal from McVitie's. Did either of you guys get any football related Christmas gifts? No. No, because I haven't gotten yours yet. I haven't got the receipt. Yeah, well, I have a little story to tell you about that. Is this the one you posted on Twitter? No. Oh. Um, so the, I talked in the last show that I had got you some gifts from China. And I got myself the same gift. Well, the money has now been refunded to my PayPal account because the website was fraudulent. Oh. Uh, thankfully, I did not pay by credit card. They were offering you a discount if you paid by credit card, and I thought that sounds suspicious to me. And yeah, I especially, right. especially usually there's a surcharge when you pay yeah. by credit card. So now that gift that I really wanted us to get because I'd planned on us using it over the course of 2021 in these Zoom calls, I now have to try and find elsewhere. Oh, so at, you're still going to try to get the same thing? Well, yeah. Failing that, or we'll be doing it in 2022. Um, I do have another possible gift lined up for for the two of you if that that doesn't work out. I really should just start buying gifts in this country for you and not buy your soccer gifts anyway. Well, my, I, I have I do have a soccer gift Ooh. that uh, that uh, that will get come to each of you. It's the same gift as well, and it kind of coincides with an anniversary. So it's kind of a little bit special there. So we'll we'll see what that is. Yeah. Whitecaps White Caps related anniversary? I never said that. I just said well, an anniversary. That's why I'm asking. I said an anniversary. Let's leave it at okay, that. Okay, interesting. This is not well, a Lego this is not a Lego thing where you can feel it up and, and figure out what the gift is. Hey, I'll tell you. That. I, that's my that's what I do with gifts. Michael, how long have we been doing the show? Is it five years? Uh well, I don't know, because Steve and me did the first one in twenty thirteen. Oh. I don't know when we brought you into the fold. I think it was before we went on to CITR. We've been doing CITR since February three. 2017. Yeah, three years. Yeah, so we're coming up for year four. He was uh, the kind of guy CITR. who would celebrate three years. I, any anniversary is worth celebrating. 
I'm a very romantic kind of guy. Anyway, enough of her waffle. Let's get into the meat and bones, the meat and potatoes of the show. We're going to delve in, first of all, with a look back at the Whitecaps 2020. A, a season that didn't hit the dizzy heights that maybe many hoped. It was a, a season in three parts. Obviously, we've talked about a, a lot of this over the course of the year, so we're, we're going to touch on some things that we've already talked about, but we're, we're going to keep these sections all relatively short. I mean, my, my overlasting thought in the season, like if you're going to sum the Whitecaps up in one to three words, Steve, how would you sum up 2020? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that's it right there. Oh, boy. Uh. Mm. I'll just I, leave it at that. I, I'm going to go with disappointing, disjointed. I might just leave it at those two, really. You know, oh, if, you put, if you put and, if you put and, you could do it. In, you could do. It oh, that would be three words. Yeah, yeah, Isn't that what you said last year? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like this is actually the the 2019 end of season show that we're just replaying. Yeah, I mean, obviously, before I, I, you, to add it, to add it to one of your D words, disillusional. I think it's a good word to use. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Before we talk about, you know, the three words, I think obviously it's, it's a pen, like it's the whole year is wacky, right? Like the whole year. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to um, like, obviously I, 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 I don't think it was a good year for the Vancouver Whitecaps in any way, shape or form. Uh, I know there are some uh, who we've talked to uh, who are, you know, see it, with encouraging signs within it um, and stuff. I, I don't tend to, to share that perspective, but it, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's all, it's all shaded by this, by what's going on in the world. Right. So. Well, yeah. And I, I, it's hard really to try and do a kind of upbeat end of season show when 2020 just all round football yeah. aside was just a, a terrible year for so many people. So many people lost jobs. So many people lost loved ones. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but the tunnel still seems quite a, a long tunnel before we get back to, to any normality. We, we were talking on our, our East Fife show this morning. We don't expect fans to, to get back watching East Fife games for the rest of the season, which takes you up to about the summer. Wait, so, people go to East Fife games after you left? Yeah. Today, there was a my, couple of folk watched the game by sitting on the perimeter wall. My my greatest fear is that, you know, you, you're saying there's light at the end of the tunnel. My greatest fear is that light is like a train. <laughs> yeah. There's a half man, half biscuit song. The light at the end of the tunnel is an oncoming train. That's what it kind of feels like. But I mean, yeah. the, the vaccine does give a, a lot of hope to many. Bring, bring it back to, can I bring it back to the three words? Sorry. Yeah. Before we get too far away from that, I would agree with you. Disappointing is one of my three words. Another is uh, uh, unambitious, I think, describes the white caps. And the third third would be, I guess, scandalous. And, and I mean, there's a few a few things that are not so much from this year. But um, yeah, thinking about, thinking about uh, I mean, there's obviously a number of things you can think about. But the the first thing I was thinking about uh, was on the sporting side and was you know the Mark Mark Panis situation. Yeah, I mean that. I would also add the word typical. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking par for the course. So yeah, yeah, typical is good. I mean, when I when I was doing my end of year awards thing, and kind of I was reading a, 
an issue of when Saturday comes as well. And there was an interesting article in it about the, the phrase that's used a lot, long-suffering fans. And it, it's like it's become a cliche in football. You talk about, oh, long-suffering fans. And it's like, how would you define long-suffering fans? And they're saying it really, the real long-suffering fans are teams that have gone multi, multiple years without winning anything. So like in England or Scotland, they haven't even won promotion, never mind cups or, or league titles or anything like that. And there's some teams that have gone like 29, 30-odd years where they've not won promotion, they've not won a championship, they've not won a cup. That That's long-suffering fans. Would you describe the Whitecaps as long-suffering fans? I mean, we're 10 seasons now in MLS. In that 10 seasons... All with, like taking the Cascadia Cup out of it because it's not a proper trophy, if you're being honest. And that it's not Pre- previously when like it, I I kind of agree with you because it was a three team tournament before. It is getting to that part where it is more getting more legitimate. The Cascadia Cup? Are you? Oh, I thought you said the Voyagers Cup. Oh no Sorry. no no! I'm a surgeon. No, the Cascadia Cup. The, yeah, all we've got to show of an actual competitive trophy, one that means something properly, not just like a participation thing for being the best team in a three-horse race. We've got one Voyager's Cup for 10 years in MLS. Does that make us long-suffering? Or we've had some success, we've made playoffs. Is it as bad as it feels 10 years down the road? I. It's hard to say. Like, I... The way I classify long suffering is supporting a team that has no ambition, or or shows a lack of ambition, or shows a lack of getting to the next step. When, especially in this kind of environment, North American environment, there is opportunity for that because it's supposedly a level playing field for most of the teams. So there is an opportunity there. Um, but yeah, it, it's just not. It's just not about winning trophies. It's showing that you're trying to get better. I rather support a team that's trying to get better than one that's uh, just wins a trophy and then goes away for like years. Yeah. Michael, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, I, I hold the Cascadia cup in a, in a higher regard than, than you do. Uh, I, I, I don't, even though, yeah, it is a competition between three teams and it is, you know, it was birthed from the passion of the supporters. Um, I still think it's a significant thing that the club, uh, needs to value more than it does, and they could do that in a number of ways, which they have chosen not to. And I mean, I do uh, value it. I do appreciate it. No, but I know. I know you. Do. I'm coming from it. It's not an actual. It doesn't get you anything, as in it doesn't qualify to the Champions League, or it doesn't. Get Here's you the thing: well, if, if there was, if there was a trophy between East Five Cowdenbeath and some other. Scottish team in the whatever third or there fourth. It is. It's called the Fife Cup. It's all the, the four Fife teams. Okay, there you go. Is that not important to you? No, no one gives a toss about it. Oh, okay. Well, in Pacific Northwest, things are a little bit different. But teams actually play cup games in that competition, and they usually put in their B team or their, their kids. Yeah. And we do things the North American way, which, yeah. Yeah. But if you look at 2011... And where the team was at the end of that first season. And you look now, going into 2021, we've got 10 seasons under our belt in MLS. If you you classed 
2011 as a zero. How far above zero are we as a club 10 years down the line? Two. Minus one or minus two? Like no, you can't we've say not, minus we've one not gone or minus backwards. two. We've, I mean, we've got a training centre now. We've got... True, true. We, we've made the playoffs a couple of times. Well, but ma- making the, times. I, That's where I would disagree with you. Making a play, the playoffs is not an achievement, in my opinion. I'm sorry. I agree with that. Uh, uh, like, in this kind of uh, league, no, it's not an achievement. It's the North American way, Zach. This is just a mode to get to the cup. It's not actually the cup. Uh, Michael, I agree with you. In some North American sports, it is considered an achievement, but it also has something not- with it, right? Like you in the baseball, like you get pennants or whatever when you win your division and make the playoffs and whatever. That's it's it's it in football. It's 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 by, by the media and the fans or supporters or whatever. It's, in, uh, it's not considered an achievement in any sport. Make just making the playoffs. It's there. It's about winning the final trophy. The organizations. They might uh, spin it into making, oh, we made the playoffs 20 years in a row or something like that. They might spin it, but not the, not anybody else. I can attest that to you. I mean, I, th- this wasn't something that I'd even put down that we were going to talk about, but it, it just kind of came to me as, as we were chatting there. And it's like, I, I think, I, I don't think Steve's too off the mark by saying two. I would maybe think a three, which is kind of crazy all these years in as to where the team is and where you'd expect a team to be 10 years down the, the road in a league. When you look at Portland, Seattle, Seattle's got more years than us, but I mean, Portland's a, the good one to look at. We came in at the same time. Montreal came in the year after us. It's like, I mean, where are they? Our, our big achievements in 10 years in MLS is we've got a, state-of-the-art training centre that really is one of the best in North America and it's right up there in the world. Players that come to talk so highly about it. We sold on Alfonso Davies for a big lot of money. I'm not wanting to say we developed Alfonso Davies, but we helped in his development and then we sold him on for a big lot of money. That is pretty much 10 years. That's it. Two things to show for it. Yeah, you can't even do a flash five or anything like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's that was good, Steve. It's it's quite damning and disheartening, really. Which is so many things out of the White Caps over the ten years. I hadn't really planned for this to to be so much doom and gloom. Okay, let's let's let's, let's spin it back. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's look at some positives to come out yeah. of twenty twenty. And when I was doing the end of season awards, I came up with two which Michael Baldissimo, Thomas Hassel. To me, that's the only two things that you can take from 2020 that was a positive from a a Whitecaps perspective. And even looking at that, both of them only really got their opportunity because of situations. In a normal season, Thomas Hassel would not have been anywhere near getting games. Baldy might have got a couple, and then he might have seized that moment and got a run in the team. That we don't know. But I think you're probably thinking it's maybe unlikely that, that he would have based on like previous history of, of homegrowns in Vancouver. So again, that's a kind of crazy thing to think about. Your two highlights of the season. If you'd sat here a year ago and you said, what do you think the... Or what players do you think, even before first kick, 
What players do you think are going to be the standout ones that you're going to be talking about at the end of the season? You wouldn't have picked those two. No, and and the thing is, is the only player I would even have put on that, that be, like have a chance to stand out was Cavallini. I honestly didn't have anybody else. Everybody else looked like a, a workman-like type player that was just, I thought maybe Dahomey has had a chance to shine. I didn't know too much about him. Um, obviously, Adnan would have his moments. Uh, but other than that, I really had nobody else on that list. In bomb, you you hoped would, uh, but I I think pre pre uh, to the season starting, I had him being sold in the summer, which he was. So I didn't see him being finishing the year here at all. Yeah. So really, those are the only players I really had even on the radar, and I didn't expect that much from them either. It, it's a strange one, Zach. Just that for a strange year, really. I mean, you, you look at who the Whitecaps brought in this year. Homegrowns, they signed Fashionere, Pisil, Metcalf, and Bomer. So, out of those four guys, Metcalf got some playing time, looked okay. They they all need more development. Did, and he, get, did, did he get more than 180 minutes? Like more than two full games? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I'll double check that just now as we're talking, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. But he got a little bit of playing time, yeah. which was great. Baldy was obviously the big homegrown success story and Thomas Asal as well. I mean, Baldy is the guy that you're hoping is now going to to push on and just take that development further. But to do that, he obviously is going to have to play and you just hope he's not going to get pushed down the picking order by whoever does come in now. And the thing is, we don't. nobody needs him to be a star. We just they every I think next year hopefully that he plays majority of the games, like maybe eighty percent of the playing time. I'll, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm not expecting it, uh, but that's essentially what I'm hoping for. For him, Metcalf, Metcalf got two hundred minutes. He oh. made seven oh. appearances, two of them starts. Who was the player that got in for just as the whistle blew? That was uh, P- P- how do you say Pisil? Oh, yeah, Damio, Damiano uh. Pisil. Pisil, right. I forgot about Fashionary, that. Fashionary yeah. was on loan, right? Yeah, Fashionary went to Ottawa. Um, did he play at all there? I don't he know. did. He wasn't a regular starter, but he got a little bit of playing time in their games. But, I mean, these these guys need playing time. Um, what is made for these guys is this new MLS Reserve League. But with everything that's happening, there's it's no gonna way happen. you're going to be having these guys playing in an MLS Reserve League. So, unless you're going to be having like the three Canadian teams just playing non-stop reserve games against each other. I don't see any other thing for these guys apart from loaning them out for, for yeah. next season. There's no way that that's cost-effective, right? No, not with, not with travel and, and various things like that as well. And, I mean, there's been so many waste, money wasted in travel, the charter flights and everything this year and just everything like that. And then the next part we're going to, look at MLS and cost-cutting and, and various aspects as well. But last little bit for this part, if you look at the players that the Whitecaps brought in, Ryan Raposo, Gutierrez, Dahomey, Obuso, Meredith, Bikel, Bush, Ranko, Malinkovic, th- there's not too many of them that really stood out in a spectacular way but there's a lot of promising signs there. Like Ryan Raposo, I think, is a talent that he just needs to get a little bit more development under his belt. Gutierrez, like Christian Gutierrez, for me, 
was a, a big surprise. I liked what I saw from him, and I want to see a lot more from him in, in 2021. Christian Dahomey, I, I put this in our end of season awards on the website. I've put him down as my one to watch for 2021. And I've gone a little bit different from previous years because it's been a complete balls up in previous years because everyone I've picked, it's been like a curse. Kamiri as the one to watch in 2020. Well, we did. We we watched him play a pickup game in Andy Livingston Park and then get a, a ton of injuries. So I've gone for a more experienced guy as our one to watch because I think the signs were there, Steve, from Dahomey, that if he's got a better supporting cast around him, he could have a breakout season in 2021. Yeah, and he and I think he really started playing better once his family got in uh, into yeah. Canada. That was a massive uh, jump there for him, and I, I think that he will. He, he he did show signs of it. There were moments, and it all this all had to do with, you know, you know, playing outside your you know home for so long and everything like that. It seemed like, uh, especially the the summer tournament. The summer tournament, I expected a little bit more from him, and I, we just didn't get it. We got spurts there. Um, we just didn't get the total package. And like I said, the near the end of the season, we start seeing better and better from him. I totally agree that once he gets a little bit more run out there and he gets a you know a midfielder that can get him the ball out on the wide side, um, and possibly an upgraded right back, uh, somebody to play along that side, I think we should see better stuff for him. In fact, the the signs at the end of the season, like the way Montero linked up with Dahomey for the Colombian connection, but also bringing Cava into the equation as well, it was all promising. And if we're going to get a proper number 10, if we're going to get another winger, Saicedo looks to be the guy that, that could be coming in for that. That front four is an exciting proposition, I feel. It's yeah, it's hard to. I, I'll be I know we've been here before. Yeah, it's hard to be excited about. About it, I, I I liked where you said in the article about the homie being a one to watch, and I think yeah, he could be someone who uh, you know could have a could make significant contributions next year, but he also doesn't feel like a a true like difference maker. You know what I mean? Like don't don't get me wrong, he uh, has done well, and I think had more bright spots than many of the other people in the squad in twenty twenty, but. And, and so, I, and I think he can, you know, be raised a level or two, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him being a difference maker unless, unless there are that many other uh, significant pieces around him that are brought oh, yeah. in that help raise his game. That's the thing. That that's he's one of those players like Cav. I think that uh, can be difference difference makers if they get more help. Yeah, um, a lot of players need just, you know, you you. It's like it needs, it needs to be a level uh, lineup. You can't have one lineup sinking on one side and then you're hoping to raise it. Everybody has to be on the same level and that way everybody can play up to their capabilities instead of trying to do too much. Uh, Michael, the people, I, I want just want to mention, the people you mentioned, I, I like them all. If, I'll, I'll I'm going to take three out of, out of it though. Uh, Meredith, I really obviously didn't really show anything. Bush was only brought in because of injury. Otherwise, we probably never would have seen him. And Milinkovic was a wild card to begin the season with. And obviously, it turned yeah. out that it didn't work out. But everybody else um, looked like they do kind of have a, a, a stepping stone to next season where they have an ability yeah. to contribute to next year. I mean, Owusu and Bikel and Ranko, with an MLS season under their belt, 
getting used to the weirdness of travel and all the the different kind of climates and stuff that they're playing in. Hopefully, they they push on in, into twenty twenty one and they take their game to, to another level. That's all we can really kind of hope for is an improvement in everyone to the season before. And if we add in the right pieces, it's it's a team that could make the playoffs in the lower end of the playoffs. Unless we make some amazing big splashes, I think that's really the best we can maybe hope for for 2021. I agree with that. Yeah, I, agree. I, I too agree. Yeah. And, and I like, uh, Steve, I agree with what you said in terms of, you know, the, those people. The, the, the other one, I know, Mike, you already touched on him, but is uh, the one who, and again, it's tied into the fact that he's, you know, making inroads with the Canadian national team is, mm. is Gutierrez. Like, that's the one where, uh, when I think Steve's talked about this a lot in the past, or we, we all have, is that he feels like he has the potential to be the left back for the Vancouver Whitecaps, which would enable them to spend money in other positions by moving yep. on 53-year-old Ali Adnan. <laughs> no, I tell you, yeah, I tell you, Ali Adnan, if they can find somewhere that he can go to next year, uh, like in, you know, in Russia maybe, if he wants to join in bomb or or somewhere else, uh, I it, it would be ideal to get that money in and and hopefully they actually do spend it somewhere else. Yeah, that's that's all we can really hope. Well, that is it for this part. We're going to be back with a little bit more Whitecaps chat, but also looking at the year in general in MLS and what might be coming in 2021. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 2020 is all the ETF, you better pull yourself together while there's still time left. Not a day without a murder, we quit out a bomb, you better pull yourself together before 2021. 2020, have you got no pride? You were worse than 2016 when everybody died. Your celebrities are stupid, your politicians suck, your promises are empty. 2020, what the fuck? Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, 2020 WTF, a song by Jim Bob from his pop-up Jim Bob album. Jim Bob, for those that may think it's a familiar name, is the lead singer of Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine, former Artist of the Month here at AFTN. That was his first solo album for, I think, seven years and... It was a Christmas present I got. I'll just hold it up for all the listeners to, to take in on the radio just now. Always a good thing to do. Very good album. Actually, highly recommend it. It's some of his best stuff that he's written for a, a number of years. And I think that song, 2020 WTF, just basically sums it all up, really. Because hopefully 2021 can't get any more weirder than than what 2020 was. Because of the nature of it, it is hard in a number of ways to to judge performances of players, of coaching, of sporting directors. Front office, I, I still think we we can judge because of the way that they handled the whole Mark Panis situation, which I know we've talked about a lot and don't want to go into it too much, but we'll just touch on it again. Have you been reading his articles that he wrote um, about how to run a football club? No. Oh, he's, you he's, send me those links. Oh, he brought a log out. Oh, you never saw them? 
It was no. on Twitter all over all over yeah. Twitter. Lots of subtle little digs if you read between the lines uh Whitecaps owners and what needs to get done and stuff. So I'll tweet those out if anyone hasn't seen them. I think it's a four four part article altogether. It's I uh, it was from uh, you know four to five or something like that. I can't remember, but I think it was definitely four. It's excellent stuff. And I I genuinely would not be surprised to see him land at one of these expansion teams that's gonna be coming in. Maybe Sacramento, maybe St. Louis. Oh, no, St. Louis, I've actually disappointed somebody, of course. So, I mean, he could come into Sacramento, he could come into Charlotte. I don't know if they've got anyone in place For, yet. But. Forget the expansion team. Like, if, you, if you're a team that's struggling mm. um, to bring people in, here, if you're an established team, you should be looking at Mark Panis. Yeah, like, uh, to bring him in. possibly could maybe do with that, a guy like Mark <laughs> no, Panis to help. I'm, I'm, t- I'm, like, I'm talking about, like, uh, um, uh, well, sorry, like a, like a FC Dallas or a Real Salt Lake or something like that. Like yeah, so, Salt a team Lake, actually. Like, like, or a Galaxy, LA Galaxy, anybody like that. This is the, an expansion team doesn't need him. They, they, any team, any club could use him. I would even say, I, I don't know the CPL, a commissioner at all, or president, but I would, I would nominate Mark Panis for that position if possible. One of the other behind-the-scenes th- things that we haven't talked about because it didn't really feel fitting to talk about it in our jovial, light-hearted Christmas special, which I, I kind of feel that's happened before, that something's broken just before we're having our light-hearted Christmas special, and I seem to remember saying to you guys, you know what, I don't think this is the right show to talk about it, and then it looks like you're avoiding talking about it. So the whole Bob Berada thing, Charges yeah. have been pressed now, and it just it doesn't look good for anyone in this situation. Involved. Yeah. No, it's not even just the Whitecaps. It doesn't oh, look yeah. good for Canadian soccer. It doesn't look good for BC soccer. It doesn't look good for the club he was coaching at. I don't recall the name of Coastal? It. Oh, Coastal, yeah. yeah. It doesn't look especially it doesn't look good for them. Um so uh, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't just doesn't look good for anybody on it. And the thing is is it still seems like that people are not just not taking responsibility and and yep. like I I I feel that whatever uh, level that and I don't like people like saying people should get fired but people some people should get fired because of this um, and other clubs and leagues and uh, you know teams across different leagues and everything if something were to like this to come out people would get fired oh yeah this is not this is not a it wouldn't even be a discussion and like, i do want to say obviously innocent until proven guilty because it's now in in the courts and it's it's going to be decided in a, in a courtroom yeah and no i'm not because but, but, of that nothing can happen until afterwards but once if that comes down that he is guilty no, no but michael michael the fact that the police uh uh, say that there should have been that there should be charges yeah that that tells you that something went wrong forget whether he's guilty or not this should have been taken to the police where they could have investigated uh, and the fact that it didn't get to them that's where i'm saying people get shot well, yeah get and the fact it goes back not, so long as well i mean it's like way before his time at the white caps it goes yeah. way way back i mean that's and it's, just it, like i said it's nothing to do with whether he's guilty or not this is something that should have been taken to the police and that's where some people uh, should should get their uh, you know. Well, I mean, yeah. Essentially, Mike, Michael, I think one of the reasons why, as I look at things, one of the reasons why uh, things didn't move forward back when things were happening, particularly when things were happening at the Whitecaps, 
is because of how they handled it and the process they, they went about it. I mean, uh, I, uh, I'm taking, uh, uh, Kier, I always mispronounce her name. Is it Kiera? Kira McCormick. Kira McCormick. I think I always pronounce it wrong though as well, but yeah. Yeah. So in her, in her blog, when you read her blog and she talks about going to talk to Bobby Leonard Uzi to saying, Hey, there's problems here. And Bobby, according to her, then goes and t- talks to coach Billy, you know, Bob Berarda, that, that is like, something's wrong there. Like that can't happen in, in that way. And that is partly as I look at things and my perspective is what hindered other people coming forward with what had happened to them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, like I asked, like, that's the one question I asked Bobby Leonard Uzi. I emailed him when all this was going on and I said, Bob, did you really break one of your players trusts by doing this? And he gave, you know, the pat answer of like, Hey, there's things going on. I can't talk about what I did or didn't do kind of, kind of response. And um, like that, like, like that that's un, like to me just unacceptable that that again according to the blog if that's what he did like that is just unex, like unacceptable cuz that hindered um that hindered things from from that I, I again my perception is that hindered people from sharing their stories and what happened to them and uh extended this process far beyond um 2008 and um yeah it it it's it's sad and um, it, you know, you, yeah, I guess you hope for justice and you hope for healing and you hope for wholeness for these, for these individuals. And you hope for these types of situations to, to stop. And you hope for, um, you hope for, you know, mechanisms, which the white caps say they put in place and other, the other organizations say they put in place that will help prevent these from happening or, or make more avenues that are clear and fair and whatever for people to report their concerns or, their issues or whatever but uh it's sad that like you guys have said it's sad that so much happened for so long over such a long period of time and uh or sorry allegedly happened for so long over such a you know period of time but yeah um it'll be interesting to see uh this this play out and 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 what is proven and and then what happens from there but uh, steve i think you're right like the even retroactively like like something like there's there's still still things that like should be done and like yeah i mean it, obviously this thing it's hard it's hard for people like me to disconnect this thing from how the white caps function function as an organization and the way they've chosen to go about certain things and for me this feels this and how they handled this and the way they went about this is just symptomatic of how they operate and it's one of the reasons why i i can't support the, this executive in this ownership group. And I, you know, I'm one of those people who hopes that for people who love football in Vancouver, that they, they move on in one way, shape or form at, at some date so that people who don't want to support um, their approach can, can have a, a club to support in, in, in the city of Vancouver. The scary thing is, is that um, like with all the stuff that went on is that some of these people in the front office aren't even offering resignations. That's how f- protected they feel. Well, yeah, that, or they feel that, that they didn't do anything wrong. Well, that, that's the resignation part, that, yeah. that, that they, they know they're not going to get fired. Like, usually people will resign or they'll be, like, pushed to resign or something like that, and that's not even happening. Like, usually you get something like that going on. I, I would say 
I liked Axel's statement. I thought that was a step in the right direction, and it was the first time, I think, the first time that the Whitecaps acknowledged their failings in it. And I can't imagine that this is something that Axel has looked at and thought that the club has handled well. And I would imagine he's probably quite fuming about it, but probably limited as to what what he can come out and, and say publicly. But I mean, echoing just what Zach said, I think for all the girls and women involved, you want three things. You want healing, you want closure, and you want change so that no one else has to go through a situation like this. And I would, and I would, I would also say the per- people that were directly involved, I think they should get justice. If it, if it, like yeah. again, proven uh, innocent until proven guilty. But if it did happen, they should definitely get justice for that too. So I mean, like, let's segue. No easy way to do it, but let's get back talking about the the football chat. So we, we mentioned Axel there in his statement. It's been a a difficult first year for Axel at the club. We talked about that to, to Axel himself when we sat down with him in December. I think when he came here, he could never have imagined being separated from his family for months at end, a pandemic, not having your team playing in your home city, starting the role, the year in a sporting director's role, finishing it in a joint role as a CEO as well. Everything that went with it, it's just been a difficult year for Axel. I mean, can you even really, do you feel, assess him this year? Or if you do, how do you feel he, he's done in his jobs this year? I would say that uh, right now, uh, I would give him, uh, a, like a, if I was a, if it was a letter grade, I would say maybe C plus hmm. or C or something fair. like that. Satisfactory. And that's if you believe um, what, like, like, and again, I'm not saying he's lying, but uh, believe on what he's saying about the inability to get people in. If that's the case, uh, and he's, there are more people that he was trying to get, I would give him a C plus at this point. I, I, I know it's hard because this has been a story that's been given for years, but I genuinely believe what he said because I'm looking at it that if I was a player... Why would I want to come to Vancouver just now to play for a team that's not playing in Vancouver? So I, yeah. I, I would f- fully expect players to go, look, I can't leave my wife and family in a foreign country or like in Axel's case himself, his family were back in Germany. So he was yeah. separated from his family for months. No, and, and you know what? I, I, it's just I know I, I know I said that I, you know, if he's it's not true, but I, I do agree with you that it's most likely that he's not. But I'm still giving that little bit of leeway. Well, yeah, because it's something we've heard. We've always heard about these near it's misses. The, yeah, exactly. That's the that's the issue. It's uh, it's PTSD basically. Yeah, and you see other clubs managing to get things done, and other Canadian clubs managing to get things done. But I mean, how, how can do you feel it's fair to to assess? Axel in the last year yeah I, I uh you know if you're gonna you know Steve's talking letter grades or whatever I uh for me in that that kind of way I, it feels like an incomplete right like which again is you kind of feel like that for me the season as a whole but um uh, you know just thinking about you guys as you guys are talking there about you know the bringing players in and whatever uh yeah there obviously the pandemic has has created uh huge obstacles to that I, I still, I still think that there are other obstacles that the, the Whitecaps themselves have created, and that again goes back to 
you know, um, you know, a whole bunch of things, uh, how, uh, how people have left Vancouver and their perception on leaving Vancouver, right. And how they have shared those perspectives with other people and how, you know, even within MLS and in certain parts of the world, yeah, the, the Whitecaps have a reputation. That's not a positive one for how they, um, holistically treat their players, right. Coming in most, most yeah, it, that, that goes well. That's all, that's all good. It's the, when things are done, um, or sometimes in the in the middle that that, that they don't that they've they've created a bad reputation for them for themselves um, and uh, so so in one sense yeah the pandemic has created a hard situation but uh, not Axel but those who've gone before him have created uh, issues that 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 hinder their ability to bring in uh, to bring in any like players in general I would say um, and so. Uh, I don't know how they get over that without turning uh, turning a, a page that they're not going to turn. I mean that that is the thing just now for Axel and MDS is like they are they're unfortunately in a position where everything that's gone before them is what shapes the fans' opinion of what this club is. So they've got a chance to change that and to to make a difference. But they're trying to do it in two pandemic years where it's going to be so hard to to do what they want to do. And that's unfortunate for them because we, we talked about it last year and a year down the road, we're talking about it again. It's a big, big year for the Whitecaps in terms of supporter retention. And it's hard to retain supporters when they can't maybe get to the games to to see the team, when the team might not be playing here or might not be able to get transfers done that, that they want to do. And there's other things now coming up, which I, I guess this is maybe a, a good time to talk about this just in general for MLS. MLS has invoked force majeure. So the players went through a lot this season and they've gone through... A lot across the league, but the is Canadian... that the sorry? Quick question: Is that the thing for Braveheart? Force Monsieur? No, that's you think you prima nocta. That's very. Oh, different. okay. Sorry, I, I misunderstood that. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. If to... they want to paint their faces with Scottish flags, I'm all all in favour of that. Just to 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 point that out. Um, maybe we'll get a few Scottish players in. David Wotherspoon's just started following the AFT in Canada Twitter account. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's looking for a, a move to Vancouver. But, yeah, MLS has invoked force majeure. So basically they're going to renegotiate the collective bargaining agreement. So the players are coming to the bargaining table for the third time in the space of a year. So after all the hardships that they went through, for Canadian teams, their players went through the hardships of being away from their families for months and just seeing them for a couple of days at a time. Throughout the league, players had swabs stuck up their noses several times a week just to make sure that they could play football and provide entertainment and line the owner's pockets and television deals and stuff and the thank you that they get for that is they might have to take pay cuts they might get locked out etc 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 it's a complete kick in the balls for the players i hope they take a stand i hope they strike and i hope they play hardball because you're talking about millionaires, billionaires that own clubs raking in obscene amounts of money from expansion fees, 
teams coming in for the next couple of years paying these stupid amount of money in expansion fees. They go to the players, sorry, they go to the owners and not the clubs and not invested in the clubs necessarily. The owners can if they want to. So it just, it does not sit comfortably. I, I agree that MLS are losing money. They said they were, they'd lost about a billion dollars. Yeah, I'm sure they have. But these are not poor owners that you're talking about. I just think it's ridiculous, and I just, yeah, I hope the players really play hardball in this sack. The going into last year, uh, one of the things that I think was important was when um, the the players, uh, the players' union, for the year leading up to last year's uh, negotiations and and making a deal on, on a new CBA. One of the things they tried to make as public as possible is how they, as a union, and through their reps and their their connecting and their communications try to uh, instill in the players the importance of saving up money for the potential of a strike. Yeah. Now I know we've just gone through a pandemic year and I think they lost what, like 25% of their wages this year or whatever. I hope that the union was as um, active uh, this season in telling them to get ready because this was part of the, the redone deal uh, prior to, or, you know, around the pandemic or whatever, when they had to redo the, the, the CBA because of the pandemic or whatever. Um, and so this was a possibility. And I hope, because okay, I mean, to me, Michael, if it's true that enough of the players were prepared to go on strike last year, mm. when, uh, uh, you know, when, the, you know, who knows what was going to happen or how it was going to play out before a pandemic, if they were ready then, and they, again, encourage their members to think ahead for this year, where I know they made less money, Hopefully they're ready financially, the players predominantly, <laughs> they're ready to go on strike this year because it, it, if you were willing to go on strike last year when the deal wasn't good or whatever, and presumably this deal is not going to be good for the players, if, it's, if, the, if, the, if the owners are saying, hey, what we did yep, last year yep. wasn't good enough, it's not going to be good for the players. So hopefully they've set aside enough that they can go ride out a year without playing because it's most likely that the season is not going to be a normal season and it's going to have a whole bunch of restrictions or alterations because of the pandemic, like, like in like the 2020 season. And so if they were ready last year, hopefully they're ready this year and hopefully they can look at it and say, yeah, I'm, we're not going to take a bad deal from the league and these owners. And we're going to sit out a year because it's going to be an awful year for us and our families anyways. So why not? Let's go on strike. We were ready for it. We set money aside. We kept it aside during the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. That's what I hope will happen. Now, obviously, it's hard to think that 100% of the people will be ready for that. But that's really what I hope that they'll do. And they'll really stick it to the owners um, because uh, it, it is it is uh, just extremely sad what they've chosen to, to do um, based on how the players help the season move forward. No, I, I was looking up Force Majeure in, uh, on Google. I was Googling it. And it came up with a film. Uh, it came out in 2014. It's a Swedish film. And let me, let me uh, just give you a, the line from it that describes it. And let me know if this resembles what MLS is doing. Um, it follows uh, tension resulting from an avalanche during which the husband, named Thomas, prioritizes his, his own escape over the safety of his family. Yeah. You should tweet pretty much MLS. Yeah. I mean, if I was a player just now that was playing for Vancouver, Toronto, or Montreal, 
And then I'm getting put to me, okay, do you want to vote for this really worse deal? Or do you want to go on strike? I'm thinking, why would I vote for worse if there's a good chance I'm going to be away from my family for months and end? Fuck this, I'm prepared to go on strike. And the other aspect of this as well is, how many transfers could this mess up? Because if there's uncertainty, are clubs going to be willing to sign a player from overseas and then have that contract for a season that might be curtailed, might not even go ahead, depending on on how bad the situation gets with all of this? Or if you're a player as well, do you want to think, well, I could sign for MLS, but there's not even a guarantee I'm going to be playing. I might just stay in Europe until the summer and just kind of see how things go. Exactly. What if you're a player from Argentina that played his whole career in Barcelona? Would you want to come over to Miami and play there? I wouldn't want to play in Miami to begin with, but yeah, I mean, that's a very valid point. It's like... Are they willing to risk a strike if Messi is truly going to come here? (laughs) Haha. That's a thing as well. That if if Messi said, yeah, as long as you guys don't strike, I'll come to MLS in the summer. It'll be like, oh, yeah, oh, let's just give the players what they want. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. But I mean, you are going to have like players that's maybe about to put pen to paper, not just for the Whitecaps, but across the league. And they're now thinking, you know what? I might just wait to the summer, just kind of see where the land lies because I'd rather stay where I am and know that I've got a guaranteed wage coming out of it. True. I mean, the MLS season, just before we wrap this part up, I I enjoyed MLS back. I think it's that, and maybe the last two years' playoffs, because they've been a bit batshit crazy with the single knockout games, that's the most I've enjoyed MLS in the whole years that I've watched MLS, I think. I think Um, the MLS back tournament was the best part of the season. Uh, Absolutely, that's, except for the final. I thought the final was really good, in, in entertaining, and everything. But definitely, that MLS back tournament is pro- was probably the best part. Yeah, I mean, for me, that that was the highlight of the season. It was good to see the crew winning the MLS Cup, and as I said on our, our post game or our watch along for the MLS Cup, forget trying to be like Seattle, forget trying to be like LAFC. The Whitecaps need to be like a Columbus. And just get that consistent build, get consistent investment in the places that matter, bring in difference makers, and then just see where that takes you. And the MLS landscape, I don't think is going to be changing too much this year because of the pandemic. So this is a chance for teams like the Whitecaps to to maybe catch up a little bit by bringing in a, a couple of key difference makers. Cavallini, it's a big season coming up for him, I feel. He's got to do better than he did in 2020. He's got to maybe hone that kind of aggression side of him just a little bit. But I I want to be optimistic. I want to think that there's going to be maybe not a full 34-game season, but I think there's going to be a a lengthy season. I hope it's enjoyable. All, All I can really hope for is that Vancouver and all the Canadian teams whether there's fans there or not, somehow get to play matches, whether it's in a bubble or regularly on on home soil. And of course, the the whole NHL thing with the the Canucks and the Canadian teams being allowed to play at Rogers Arena and stuff, that could be a big game changer. 
What do you mean? Like the being able to, but the white caps were able to host host teams, though. True, and I guess it is all Canadian teams. Yeah, so I, that that's really not gonna. Uh, the so whole thing is about a game changer. Yeah, it's, it's the whole thing is about going down to the states. And again, like I've said before, if you're if you're going to be uh, situated in Portland and you know you're going to be situated in Portland for most of the season, that's a good way to sell it to players. I get. I think that's very true. Business. Any any final Business. things you want to say about MLS, Zach? Good riddance. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. He's trying to get to the next part. Yes, let's just get to the next part now. Then, so that's it for this part. We're we're going to be moving away now from the Whitecaps and MLS. We're going to be looking closer at home as we look at the Canadian Premier League. After this, hi, I'm Alan Koch, and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, because I didn't get a chance to play them in the Christmas special, it's our last song from December's Artist of the Month, Husker Du, with a song from the 1986 album Candy Apple Grey, that was Sorry Somehow. Maybe that could be one of the the phrases the Whitecaps adopt in their training centre. We're, We're sorry somehow for things that we've done and our, our lack of achievement. But we're not talking white caps in this part. We're moving into the Canadian Premier League. We talked about the difficult season it was for MLS. It was a, an even more difficult season for the, the Canadian Premier League as teams only got to play minimum of seven, maximum of 11 games for, for a CPL season. But much like the MLS's back tournament, the Island Games, a bubble tournament, highly enjoyable and for me one of the the best parts of the the footballing season i i enjoyed them thoroughly i obviously didn't get to watch every single game but uh just watching the highlights and and, and the the wild games we were able to watch i think they pulled it off i honestly think they they did it uh did it well um and it was entertaining and everything like that so i think i think it did well um and it probably had a little bit to do with the fact that uh pacific was doing so well in the tournament and they were showing well 
Yeah, I, I think uh, I think the CPL did well um, in terms of the island games. They, uh, I, I think it, w- it was helpful for them. They got to learn from MLS's back. I think that really helped them, uh, even just on the the digital sponsorship side of things and 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 all that that the, the stuff that MLS did at the, their tournament. Um, I think it was I think it was I think it was good. I know that they're different things and I kind of uh, still looking back enjoyed the fact that the whole season was one tournament and then like that was it that made it kind of bigger and more special. Um, I also appreciated how they were a little bit creative uh, with kind of the throwback to old, you know, world cups of yesteryear with two group stages as opposed to just a group stage and then a knockout. Uh, I like how they did that. Um, I think the one thing that stands out, uh, and this is tied into MLS's back, but the, the league as a whole, and um, I hope I'm not rooting any of the other stuff you want to say, Michael, but is the fact that the the league, um, and again, the pandemic maybe s- slows this down in one, in one respect, but it doesn't seem like there's any sign of changing this, uh, is that, the again, the league <clears throat> and their commissioner who's known for um, – known from some of his previous work for not being really open to this is that, that there's not a, an official players union yet. Um, that's probably one of the most disappointing things about, about 2020 and, and even going into the Island games that when you had all that downtime in between the, I know they were f- focusing all their energy on the, on the Island games, but you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of downtime for them between when they were going to start up and, in March, April to, you know, to when the, the Island games took place. And then since then, there's been a lot of time and uh, nothing's yeah. happened. In that I mean, that, that's my biggest worry stroke disappointment about it all is mid-September, that was it. The season was over and it was so good and it was so enjoyable. And I would love them to do more tournaments like this, MLS as well. They were just huge successes for me. It was, it was like mini World Cups, club world cups a feast of football in a short period of time but then it ends and you've got this void as a fan watching it but as a player you've got these guys now that haven't played since mid-september most of them haven't gone on loan anywhere because it's obviously difficult with travel and visas and stuff right now you hope the season might kick off in april but there's not a guarantee of that realistically it could be next summer before they get another CPL game with a ball kicked in anger so you're looking at maybe nine ten months that these players aren't going to have played and these are young guys that's in the their key development time it, it's a big big loss for them I would hope that they would do something where they they, they plan for multiple bubbles mm-hmm. um, where they can play um, over you know, three weeks, they play six games, maybe take two weeks off and then go to another bubble, maybe in another city, play six games and just keep repeating that if that's something they have to do this year. Uh, and then fi- and eventually have a final bubble where you have the top four teams go there. And that, that's where your finals are, your semifinals and finals or whatever. Or you could play a quick round robin tournament, see who's the top two teams that they play in the final in that last bubble. So I would say like, so maybe get 18, maybe do three separate tournaments where all the teams are there and then have that final one over, uh, maybe that gets them 18 games over a full season. And then, uh, you know, the final, you know, uh, playoffs. That's, that's what my hope is that they plan for that. I 
think that would be a wonderful thing to happen. And I mean, PI was a great, a great base for the Ireland Games. And I mean, I fell in love with the place and just, I was meant to have gone there in 2019 and we had to cancel our trip because my wife wasn't feeling well. So I still hope to go there at some point. I loved it. But I mean, you've you've got like Victoria, it would be a great base to, to have yeah. a kind of winter or even into the spring tournament. I mean, that would be fine. And then have something maybe in Ontario or go back to to the maritimes well, or this was i was well, this is what i was thinking i was thinking you start off in victoria then you play your next bubble in somewhere in the prairies uh maybe in calgary or something like that then your next one's in ontario and then your finals are in pei so you have a coast-to-coast season basically that's a that's a brilliant idea steve yeah i really like that you get you in touch with oh if they just tell them to listen to this part of the podcast I, i'm sure they do clip <laughs> I know Pacific really, really wanted to host. Yeah, like they. Re- I think it was just the province not, not, an, not making it possible, which I was understandable. And I, oh I yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, disagree with. So. Yeah, totally. And the way it worked out in PI, I, I think, was fantastic. They're also they're bringing out a commemorative book for the Ireland Games okay. this this month, actually, and they've got one of the guys. I think it, his name's Dariush. Uh, he does some football cartoons. So what he's done is he's done a kind of illustration for every single goal from the Island Games. So it's like drawn as a cartoon in the book. And I've seen some advanced like pictures of it. Uh, and it looks fantastic. It really how, looks a, an amazing book. How how big of a percentage does Pablo de um fill into the victoria goals because <laughs> he was 100 percent. he was 100 percent on, on on all of them when they actually scored him in the replays <laughs> but I, I i think that's a novel a novel way of doing it as well just to get the goals kind of documented that way yeah for for, perspe- for posterity the, the league's presence in this country though still feels that it leaves a, a lot to be desired i and I, I, I do disagree. I'll, I'll do. I'll disagree with you a little bit there. I just uh, sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. The, the CFL wasn't around at all, and so they they put a little bit of foothill there, uh, foothold. Sorry, and then the fact that uh, Hamilton uh, was in that, and, and they were getting highlights put on TSN. Yeah. So that that helped. that helped as well. So you you and they were they were performing well in those games as well. And and it was and they and they highlighted how they got Concacaf in the in the last game, so so that shows that they are getting some kind of you know presence there. I agree with you; it's not as big as you would hope for, uh, but it is growing slowly. And maybe slowly is better instead of just jumping out and pushing it down, ramming down people's throats initially, and so they get sick and tired of it. Yeah, I mean, my- it's such a good. I don't like using this jargon of product, but yeah. it's a it's a good. It's a good league. It's an entertaining league. And I just wish there was more eyeballs on it. And also just general media coverage of the league as well. Now, obviously, it's great for us because it gives us lots of stuff that other folk aren't doing. We get to talk to lots of people and bring interviews that's maybe not elsewhere. But ultimately, that's not necessarily good for the for the league. You want it in as many places as possible. And I think they've been... They've been good. A lot of the clubs have been good at reaching out to like local podcasts and local bloggers to kind of get them involved and get them on side. And that, that that's the way it should be. A big worry though, Zach, and I don't know if you've heard this on the 
much about this on the grapevine or not, is how secure the Media Pro One soccer deal is because there was the issues with the them basically not being able to pay the contract and the, the deal for League One in France. So will that have ramifications? Will the CPL lose some money that they were maybe expecting from this? Because Media Pro, I cannot imagine, made much, if anything at all, from the, the subscriptions for the Island Games as in terms of a profit. Yeah, I, I don't know any inside information on that at this time. I haven't asked too many uh, people about about that but yeah it is a it's a concern now obviously the the contract with the french federation uh, the french league league uh uh pales in comparison to the 20 million dollars over was it 20 million over 10 years yeah right so uh, yeah obviously those things kind of pale in comparison but yeah it's not a good sign and it uh is another another blight another you know bad look bad mark for um for media pro right there have been people questioning their involvement with uh who they're involved with or who their owners are or what their people have done in terms of some of the uh football allegations and uh things that have happened in the last whatever five six years or whatever so it's um that's not great now i don't think most people in canada pay attention to that um but i i because i think the 20 million dollar deal michael is also not 20 million dollars in cash Right, I think it's twenty million dollar. I think it involves right. like structure and yeah. having offices and bringing S- services and yeah, services yeah. bringing the equipment here and and all that kind of stuff. So I I and, and all that's really important to to the Canadian Premier League and where it's at in in terms of its uh, its development as a league. But um, so I I'm not super worried at this moment, but it. it it, it has to be at least a little bit concerning, and I'm sure that the the, the league, the owners, um, yeah, are are have been following up and figuring out what's what, and and, and does this impact them? But as of right now, um, I don't know uh, any any inside scoop uh, to whether or not it does. But I'm not concerned at the moment. Um, but we, it's something definitely that needs to be you know monitored at least. The other aspect in that as well is they've got nothing to show or sell. For who knows how long, that that's that's the problem as well. I I genuinely think they should have snapped up the the Scottish football rights because Sportsnet let it lapse. It would have brought some expats like Rangers and Celtic fans would have signed up just to watch Rangers and Celtic games. So I think they missed out on an opportunity there. It would have had eyeballs all year round. I think in that regard, I'm well, not just the- saying that as a Scottish person, but it's like folk love to watch the old firm. Yeah, is it still not available, or no, is, is not at all. It up? Not yeah, anything. I'm sure. I'm. I can't believe they wouldn't have looked at it, Michael. I just don't know for them if it would have been cost effective to buy the rights and and see that um, make money or at least break even on on the platform. But you're but, you're right. You're right. But, it definitely would have added to to what they have, right? But you think they would have? Uh, wouldn't they have? It wouldn't have been feasible for both to just go into like a partnership where you say, "Oh, if we see an increase in our subscriptions, yeah. we'll pay X amount of that or whatever." I, well, yeah, because their product's not getting shown over at here, all. so it's like, yeah. well, let's just do a tentative deal, see how it goes for for this. Yeah, season I think I, I definitely think it's worth the risk in that case. Whereas they they show the Chinese Super League, who really gives a toss about that? Liga Emeki, it's like, yeah, there's some good stuff there, but is there really that big a demand that folks going to buy the product just for that? 
I, I don't know. But 2021, we don't know what it's going to bring in terms of when the games are going to be played, who's going to be strong or whatever. There's a new coach at Edmonton, Alan Koch. We're going to have him on the show this month. We're going to be chatting with Alan, just catching up with him after what's been a, a busy time leaving Colorado Springs switchbacks. Do you think he's got enough to, to turn Edmonton around in one season or could we be looking at a bit of a project there? I think you can do like a bump of like 30-40% of what they were last year. Just himself and his coaching style. So I think he has that capability. I don't know if that's enough to move him up the ranks of the C- C- CPL. Um, I guess in, in essence, I'll disagree with Steve. I, I think um, in the limited history we have to, to call upon in the Canadian Premier League, we can see that um, a, a quality coach can turn a team around in, in one season. Now, um, Stephen Hart's what he did in, in Halifax, obviously he was in, he was in control for both seasons. So that's a little bit different, but I still think that he, there's potential for that. Now, I don't, it's obviously nowhere, nowhere near a, uh, a guarantee or a sure thing, but I think it'll be good for Edmonton to have a, have a new voice and a new, a new person uh, leading, leading things for them there. Um, obviously, we know Alan, so yeah, we, we wish him well. We hope the best for him, but yeah, I still kind of don't like Edmonton, so I don't really yeah. want to. <laughs> I mean, there's some people in Edmonton I really appreciate, I- but. When I when I first heard the story, Alan Kosh, I was like, "Geez, why couldn't there be a Fraser Valley team at this point where he oh, could have taken over that?" That was the you know that's you know you hope for, but obviously well, I mean, it didn't happen. He, he would have probably have got the Pacific job if he had just waited an extra month, but he had yeah. just taken the Colorado Springs switchback job. Um, would he have been a better fit at Pacific than Pa? I don't know. No, pa got I, him really I, motivated. I think. Pa no, was I a think great pa, appointment. I I do too, but yeah the. I, I say I thought the same thing when the Pacific thing happened, but then what, what you see what Pa did last this past yeah. year, it's 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 it was worked out for him for sure in the Pacific. I also and, think it might be more expectations on Allen to be with a BC team, just yeah. because he's got his history with SFU and with the Whitecaps and he's known here. Whereas I'm not saying he's not known in Edmonton, but it might be a little bit less pressure especially with how poorly Edmonton have done in the first two years. Is Paul Islau now like fully not employed by FC Edmonton? I think he's still doing something. I think he's got something to do with the academy. Because like he's with, is it Edmonton Scottish or whatever, running their, like he's their technical director? Oh, or oh maybe he's moved he, to that his, then. His, his Twitter, like that's his profile picture, I think on his Twitter now. is like, hey, I'm... Oh, that I didn't know. Maybe let me let me, let me just double check that. But hey, did did, did uh, Pacific ever ever do anything like marketing wise with Pa at all? It was it was tough. I think, considering their first uh, two letters start with the same, like it's Pacific. You could use. Oh, I wonder you're if they did fire it. tonight. You need to get into some CPL marketing stuff here. Um, well, I I thought that was that yeah. would have been ideal. That's really <laughs> Jeff, good. Jeff Paulus, Jeff Paulus is the technical director uh, for Edmonton Scottish United. Ah, uh, good old Scots. At least that could be a chant. Pa, Pacific. Yeah. It says currently being taught to coach by the 2007 PDP boys. Yeah. Interesting. But maybe it's going to, though, be a kind of funnel into the Eddies anyway. I, last couple of questions just about the, the CPL before we wrap this part up. It's going to be an interesting year obviously for the league as to what they do playing-wise. 
It's also going to be interesting, I think, to watch what Canadian players that are overseas might decide with everything that's going on with viruses and vaccines and pandemic and uncertainty and travel, how many might want to come back if they know that there's going to be a season. And that's the that's the issue, much like what we talked about with MLS and force majeure. If the CPL can't say for a while what's going to happen, yeah. how do you attract players when they you know can't. they can stay in Europe and, and get games? And you can't, and that's the that's the the worst part of what happened last year. Because I think the, the people probably the, some of the top players that would have came over here, uh, Canadian players that are in Europe right now, they probably wanted to see a couple of years of CPL and how it ran and everything like that before they decided. Yeah. And you really can't count last year as a full season. No, for, I mean for as much as it was enjoyable, I'm sure players are looking at that going, I need more than seven games in a year yeah Yeah. i think that that hinders things a a little bit and it also takes away from that what you were saying in terms of like they want to take a couple years to see what it looks like and they haven't had two full years to like two full seasons to do that so but i think on the other side you might have people who are just like yeah i want to go home like uh or you know i want to be close to family because life just sucks right now you know like and so you might have some people like that but interesting times when it comes to that last thing on the cpl i'm going to Ask for a prediction, which is impossible, I know. But is anyone going to stop Forge, or are are we in for a kind of Forge dynasty, much like Vancouver '86ers when the the CSL first started? I think I don't think Forge is that. Are they not that above everybody else? They no. did, they shown uh, especially in that tournament, the uh, the Island Games. They showed that they were not as good. They just rose up to it in the final. Uh, that they were able to get in, in that last round robin. So I do think they can be beaten. I don't think they're as close. The The gap between them and the other teams is anywhere close to what the 86ers had with the other teams in the CSL back in the day. So I don't think that that's anywhere close. I think they can be beaten on, on any certain day. Yeah, I, I don't think they're as good as their record shows, personally. Um, and yeah, I think... I think it would be good for the league. Uh, yes, to to see someone, maybe even someone other than you know cavalry, um, have a have a go at them. I know, I know. Obviously, it was the Wanderers who, who you know, came second in the tournament this year. But um, yeah, uh, but I, I think I don't think they're. It's only if they they they, they think highly of themselves that they need to worry. But. Um, if if they do begin to think as highly of themselves as some people think of them, then they're they're I think they, they could be in trouble this year. The thing is, having a, a team that dominates this much is not a totally a bad thing because that one year when they finally do get beaten, it 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 kind of reverberates throughout the whole league and it becomes a big deal. So it, it's not a bad thing to have a really strong team, but yeah. you don't want it to be totally dominated for like ten years. Well. Let's just hope they beat TFC at least in the the 2020 (laughs) Canadian Championship final whenever it eventually gets played, which probably is going to be February at this rate. But that's it for our CPL talk. We've got one more part of the show to go and we're going to be keeping a little bit of focus in Canada, but looking more at the international side of things. And we will be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
Second. Second. Why am I second to the boots I wear? Why am I second to my coat and air? Why am I second to the car I got? My watch and my jeans and my polo top. Second. 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 Why am I second to the holiday I book? The colour of my skin when I get there drunk. Why am I second to the bread I buy? The coffee beans roasted at a heat I like. Second. 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 I said two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Second, third, fourth, fifth, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it was our new Artist of the Month, the 1st of 2021, English band Sleaford Mods, with a song there called Second, taken from their All That Glue album, just holding that up, of course, for the listeners at home, which was a, a CD that I ordered and was shipped on October 2nd, And I got it on New Year's Eve. Yes, nearly three months it took to come from the UK. This is why your Christmas presents go awry. But I've got it now. It's a good song. They will be our Artist of the Month for January. We've played a few songs for them before in the podcast. I was going to play an unreleased track that's on that album called Rochester in tribute to AEW wrestler Brodie Lee. Real name John Huber that sadly passed away on Boxing Day. Did you watch the AEW tribute show on Wednesday night, Steve? Yeah, of course. I was crying from start to finish. It was was really well done. Uh, They were able to, like, and the, it's just every, everything kind of fit into place. It was really well done. We we should have done a YouTube show, man. People would have, people would have wanted to see you guys tear up. Oh no! I've been. I've, I'm sure Steve watched the Wrestle Talk guys. Luke Owen was just struggling to to do his reports on it. It was, it was just heartbreaking to watch it. Forty one, just a great family man. Everyone seems to have loved him. As Chris Jericho said in the commentary, it's like it's it's rare in wrestling that everyone likes you. And Jim Ross said you could if you get out of the business with five people that you can class as your friends, that's a good thing. But everyone seemed to love John Huber and just a, a sad, sad loss. And 2020 was just a, a sad year for, for footballer deaths as, as well. December, you had Diego Maradona, you had Paolo Rossi, two absolute legends, big parts of my childhood of watching World Cups. Just found out today, I'd missed this on New Year's Eve, Scottish manager Tommy Doherty. He died. He was 92. Then Jim McLean, who's another Scottish manager who did wonders with Dundee United, took them from just a small club to to being better than Celtic and Rangers, beating Barcelona in European competitions. And he passed away. A lot of English players, Nobby Styles, Ray Clements. It's, it's just been a really sad well, years for, for football and deaths. You got the 86 uh, World Cup head coach. Um, oh blanking on the name i always do this 
um, for oh, Canada. Tony Waiters. Tony Waiters. Oh, yeah, Tony Waiters. Yeah, passed course, through yes. this year too. Yeah, so that was difficult as well. Yeah, I shouldn't have been so so joking about the wrestling thing before because that is a tragic, tragic story. And yeah, yeah, and it was, it, it was great because they involved his kid who who wants to be a wrestler when he grows up. They actually had a spot where one of the bad guys uh, ripped off his mask, the kid's mask. Uh, so and then he got revenge by hitting him with a kendo stick right over the head. So it was it, really cool. It was very well done. Like how I don't know. I it's... you could see that that the the wrestlers, that, especially the ones that were close to him, uh, were actually like they had been crying. Oh, they, John, you see John the, he, Silver, that he just yeah. collapsed in the, at the end of his fight. And when Eric Rowan came in with that sign, yeah, I, I'm tearing up just now, just like thinking about it. It was like it was just it was just so so touching. It was just. I'd said to Caitlin, if if when I pass, if there's people that care half as much about me that they cared about him, it's like you've you've had a great life and you've yeah. you've made a big impact and things. But let's move on Ed, to slightly happier things, and well, much happier things actually, which was the the success of uh, a lot of the the young Canadian soccer players in terms of what they achieved at club level the awards that, that they seem to have been picking up left, right and centre at the end of the year. Alfonso Davies, Kadisha, Kadisha Buchanan, Christine Sinclair, named various like athletes of the year, which I, I know from, from talking to, to Richard Scott at the CSA, it's the first time that soccer players individually, especially soccer players that are playing over in Europe, have actually won these awards, like the Canadian Press Awards and the, the other awards, the Lou Marsh one and stuff like that. Is soccer becoming more mainstream, more accepted to to what was, I guess, in the past, people just focused on hockey, basketball, CFL stroke, NFL? I think I think it was always there. It was I think it's been the media that has not maybe caught on. And maybe maybe the people that were following it didn't expect very much from the media. So it was like they weren't really clamoring for the media to talk about it, but I think they have realized that there is people watching this uh, just by the ratings. And when you get a player uh, playing in probably the biggest club game in the world um, and you're getting all those eyes on it, you obviously are going to pay more attention to that. But when you're naming like an athlete of the year, it's always like I'm not knocking their achievements at all. But when you play on a team, I always find that balance of, can you say that that one person deserves to be athlete of the year because they've played in a team where it's a team sport and the whole team has produced that. Whereas something like a tennis player or a golfer or a, a runner or something like that, a boxer, it's all just them. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And uh, no, I think it's valid. Because even when you play in a team, you have you're still an athlete. You have individual roles yeah. and respons- responsibilities and contributions. And um, I mean, what you're talking about is it would be maybe it would be nice to have um, an award for individual sport versus team sports, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but um, yeah, I I, I uh, well, how did you guys feel about the? The uh, how they handled they chose to handle the Lou Marsh award. I was going to bring that up because I don't know. I'll let I'll, you guys see what you think first. The the guy from the Chiefs who won the Super Bowl and then chose to not play and 
and to volunteer and, and stuff and use his abilities in that way. I think it's a great story. Yeah. I think it's an outstanding achievement to win the Super Bowl. Not, not many Canadians have, right? We beat the 49ers, so that put him down in my estimation to begin with. But yeah. There, there you go. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm sorry. It, it, it does not compare to the 2020 that Alfonso Davies had yeah. uh, in any way, shape, or form. Because um, you're talking about one game as opposed to a season. Or, or even 17 games. Like, seven, like you know, whatever, or six, the games, 16 league games, I guess 16 league games and they're playing, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, I know it's the biggest, um, I know it's the biggest trophy, uh, you know, in that, in that league. And I know that league is extremely powerful and wealthy and all that kind of stuff. But what Alfonso Davies did and how he contributed to his team's success in 2020, winning five trophies, fighting for a sixth in February with the, that, essentially the same group of players um, is like, I don't like, I, I, I obviously Bayern Munich is my first love in club football and I love Alfonso Davies. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to achieve that again. You know, like I, I like I want Bayern to, to have another year like that even this year, but like that might never, ever happen ever again. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he was so good and not, and it, his contributions, he, he contributed from a position that is a defensive position where he played well on defense, but made contributions that weren't just scoring. I mean, he scored a couple goals and whatever, but like he, his contributions were um, allowing the team to play in such a way that made them like dominant, right. That allowed them to uh, masterfully, uh, you know, crush Barcelona in like a, a game that will be remembered for the ages. Um, and, yeah, I to me I, I, again no disrespect at all to uh, the the dude from the Chiefs, but uh, his achievements uh, pale in comparison to what Alfonso Davies did this year in in my estimation. And, and the, but the thing is, is the the I I think the take away the athletic part of it. I think the problem is is that when you have a lot of media, some media will vote for the story, and the story of twenty twenty yeah. was COVID, right? And so when you have him walking away like i i prefer him winning a humanitarian of the year award for canadian athletes or something like that uh, that would have been more uh, uh, befitting but uh, it's the same thing years ago and the documentary just came out this year uh, uh back in the day there was a big thing about you know uh larry walker maple ridge's larry walker going up against jacques villeneuve and uh people say that well he's just driving a car it's the car that's doing all the work. Whereas Larry Walker was the MVP of the league, the top player in that league. Um, so like, like that's, that's where the arguments come. People go for the story sometimes and not uh, the actual achievement. The, the reason I was hesitant to say, and I thought I wanted to hear what you guys said is the one aspect of it that I hated was how polarizing the debate became yeah. between soccer journalists and other sports journalists. And it's like, we should be celebrating all achievements of Canadian sports people. There's no need to turn it into, you hate yeah. soccer, I love soccer, which is what a lot of people kind of turned it into. Yeah. And I didn't like that. I, I, agree, I agree with you. And so my opinion is... Uh, yeah, my opinion is what it is, what I just shared. However, yeah, I'm not someone going who wants to go out and look for a fight on Twitter 
you know, yeah, that's the, the problem. The people have a different or opposite opinion than mine. And the coolest thing of this, all this was, um, whether it's him, his family, his people, whatever. Uh, one of the greatest things in all this for me was how Alfonso Davies himself handled it. Gracious, lots yeah. of class, you know, just like, I'm really honored to share this with this, with this dude and congratulations to him as well. Like he, he handled it very very well but i agree with you michael i didn't wade into those waters i didn't even look yeah. at i heard about it i didn't really look at a lot of it um but yeah it, it becomes uh hey what i like is more important than what you like a little bit yeah that's but, what and, i didn't and, like. And, and, like and 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 the thing is is what what was the like i can understand if you have the opinion you know like like zach came out with but why is it an issue of getting in a fight when they each won the award yeah sure it's yeah. a co-winner but there have been co-winners in the past for other awards in in like music and movies and stuff like that what's the harm in having a co-winner they're still officially the winner of the award that year am i right in saying that it, it was 1881 yeah so why did yeah. they not just go to the one and say okay we're tied you have to cast and vote well, well that's the thing i think they i think it was a bit of an appeasement of like uh, hey like we we this story is bigger in our culture the the, the pigskin guy um, but we can't ignore what what Alfonso Davies has done, and so maybe this is a way we can make everyone happy. Yeah. I think. yeah I, again, I don't think it had anything to do with football, and I think it had all everything to do with the the COVID and the fact that he gave up the thing. And I think that's what they're trying to award him for that. Uh, the, if he had not won the NF uh, the Super Bowl, I agree that he probably wouldn't have won the award as well. Yeah. Uh, but the combination of winning the award and then walking away from like five million dollars in salary or whatever eight million or whatever it was uh i think that had a lot to do with it that got him that those extra votes it's all jimmy grappolo's fault that's basically yeah. what it boils down to didn't get the job done in that final quarter for the 49ers yeah, the defense has something to do with it too well maybe but uh, last thing just to to round this review of the year and a quick look forward to 2021 up just international football obviously it was a very difficult and impossible year for international football on on this continent there is camp coming up this month in florida i think it is um that we talked about in the last show maybe some games against panama coming out of this camp then we've got the world cup qualifiers coming up hopefully these games go ahead i have concerns about our european players coming over to play in these games because of travel restrictions and whether they will be allowed to come because FIFA had said if countries have quarantined for more than a certain number of days, they don't have to release their players. So Canada could be going into these World Cup qualifiers not with their best lineup, which would be just horrible. Horrible, but I have no problem with it. If If that's the rules they have to go by. Hopefully by then, by the time the qualifiers come up, things open up a little bit. Um, because that means everything's getting better. Um, but if it doesn't, then I'm fine with it. If they miss, if they miss the World Cup because of that, yeah. what can you do? I'm happy to give my dad's vaccine shots to Fonzie if that's going to help him be able to come <laughs> over. But don't don't tell him. His memory's going anyway. He'll never remember if he's had it or not. I was going to say that, but I thought it might be a little bit insensitive. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean. Uh, I've said this before on the show, but I used to be a, a, a huge 
country over club person when I came into football and I've uh, maybe just become jaded or whatever, but I, I'm, I'm definitely the opposite, become, become the opposite. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, the international game, I think um, they've done things in the last few years to try and make it more meaningful and relevant and all that kind of stuff that, I personally haven't haven't enjoyed, particularly the League of Nations in Europe, <laughs> um, which I have not followed like hardly at all. Hey, it's um, worked good for Scotland. Yeah, exactly. Yes, um, sir. I can boogie. I can boogie all night long. Um, but uh, yeah, I know. Moving moving forward, yeah. Ho- hopefully that whatever the, the qualifiers that need to take place and. Like there's a still a potential Euro this summer, right? Yes. So but it, Scotland it, there. Yes. Twenty twenty one. I can boogie. I can boogie all night long. Twenty twenty one could see a lot of boogieing. And so yeah, it's it's uh it's gonna I mean it's gonna be interesting. I just hope it doesn't mess up the club season too too much. My big wish for international football is that I have the vaccine by October. And I'm able to go to the Faroe Islands because Scotland's playing a World Cup qualifier there. Then I can get my trip to the Faroe Islands, see Vikinger, see Scotland. Perfect. Hey, can we make that an AFTN road trip? Yeah. You guys up for that? I'm good for it if it, if it is available. Can it come out of Steve's salary? Yeah. Definitely. Sure. Well, we'll do a fundraising kickstarting thing. Instead of like away from the numbers, it'll be away to the Pharaohs or something. We'll, we'll start to call the, the website, but that is it for our look back at 2020 and our slight look ahead to 2021. I just want to round the show off though, with this week's wavelength. Now people always think I just play punk songs in this section. So I thought I'll start the year off with something a little bit different. We're going to get some reggae. You ready for that? Sure you are. This is a song from 1972 by the Clement Bushy set. This is Football Reggae. Football is the game today. Football is the best game, I would say. Football is the game today. The game to play. What a season full of glow It was so exciting indeed Derby are the champions now They just appointed leads Wembley is the stadium Where finals are lost and won From seasons gone to seasons to come So cheer them and enjoy them And sing La 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 So let us sing Together now, join in and sing this song. So let us sing together now. Cause football is the best game today. 
Watching teams like Autonome They are such a fine bunch of players to see But being next door to Arsenal They would have to be Chelsea are so glamorous They dazzle our eyes with a ball Stoke'em Bulls and Liverpool Make their fans feel tall West Ham are another team The Clement Bushy set there from 1972, Football Reggae. Thought for this month I'll steer clear of the punk. I'll play some non-punk songs and some different sounding songs. I've got a rockabilly song coming up in next week's Wavelength. Some people may say it's because I'm running out of songs to play in Wavelength. No, I will not I will not have that as, as the reason that we're doing this. Although this could be the year that we do run out of Wavelength songs. But I've got lots of songs about other sports I can then play as well. We'll see what we do. But just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online, starting with our favourite Steve, Steve Pander. My name is Steve, and you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSpeed, and I do have a marketing degree to your CPL. I did not know that. I did marketing as part of my communication studies diploma. Yeah, I did a BCIT. Mine. Ah, mm. I did it at Fife College of Technology. Anyway, Zach... Where can yeah. people find you online? If you you can find me occasionally tweeting or retweeting Michael's tweets at Zachary AM on Twitter. I'm Michael McCall. Find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Don't know how busy we'll be in January. I might have a little bit of a break just to kind of wind down. But you can always check out our East Fife and Scottish football podcast as well. Glory Days of Gold. You can find that on AFTN's Scottish website, AFTN.co.uk We're going to be having an interview coming up on that with former Whitecaps assistant coach Gordon Forrest soon, who's currently the assistant manager at Hearts in the Scottish Championship. Anyway, that is it for this show. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you had a really good festive period. Hope 2021 is good for you all. Have a happy, safe and healthy New Year. We'll be back soon talking more football. Until then, thanks for listening, take care, and more on the 2021. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.